When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Interesting match reaction for Brighton nil, Everton nil in a football match where very, very little happened. Uh, I'm joined by Mark Mosey again, watching the game together, socially distanced, all that sort of thing. Pubs are open today, um, but unfortunately, that was probably the highlight of the day today, Mark, from our point of view, because Everton uh, turned up at the Amex Stadium with a whole new raft of injuries we didn't know about, and then put in a performance you'd sort of expect, really, um, with those injuries in mind. And I suppose the best way to probably sum it up is that at full time, we both sort of sat there and looked at each other and went... Is that all right? Is that okay, given the circumstances? And I think we both probably erred on the fact that probably not, but but maybe. Probably not all right at the start of the weekend, but as you say, going into the the lineups, getting announced in the warm-up, and I mean, gone are the days where the travelling Everton squad is in any way an indication of who's going to be playing, because we obviously hope to have our land back for this game, Um before they got on the train or however they got down there, Dominic Havertz-Lewin looked like he was going to play as well. But I think we we were chatting sort of midway through this game about is this, I hesitate to use the word crisis, but is is this the the, the most injury concerns, certainly in terms of a, a starting eleven that Evan have had in probably the last couple of decades. And you, you are really pushing it now to think of a time where we've been this short. And I know that the, the starting eleven is pretty familiar tonight but I think the the context of the result can probably be very closely linked to the the, the bench that we've got tonight and I think other than Alex Awobi and obviously we, we've seen glimmers of people like Nkunku but you, you are you are looking at that 11 and thinking well on the horizon in four days time is yet another Premier League game which is a, a travesty in itself and but we are, we don't look. I know that our away form has been relatively good this so far this season, but we just don't look like a team at the moment who is capable of going out and and having faith in the way that they're playing. We're not in good form. Um, you have to take Premier League results, be it at home or away, against relatively okay sides like Brighton. I know that in an ideal world, you probably look at that at the start of the weekend and say, well. This is a massive opportunity for us to stay in the race, but it, it became very clear to me, certainly at the start of the second half, that tonight was all about getting out there without getting beat. Yeah. Um, and I know that that sounds incredibly negative against a team who, on paper, we all think that we should be beating, and in an ideal world, that is absolutely the case. But I just don't think that... I think halfway through that first half, you thought, if Everton hit top gear for 10 minutes, we'll win this game. Um, but at, at no point other than brief glimmers of seeing James Rodriguez on the board did you think that we had enough quality to be the difference Yeah. Um, and I think that that's probably the, a summary of why we've just watched a, a nil-nil <laughs> and I think I think in, in, you know it's a totally different game to Monday but I think 
in some respects, you can. It, it, it reminds me a bit of to Monday, like obviously against Palace in, in some respects as well, because I think in the, the grand scheme of a season, if you're having a good season and you have a game like you did against Palace where you miss chances and you draw one or you go, that's fine. Yeah. If you have a game like tonight where you've got, you know, was it 11 first-team players out injured by the end of it? You know, not, not, not first 11 players, but players who'd make up the first-team squad. You'd have those and you go, do you know what, that's fine. But I think it's... It's the wider context, isn't it, of having been in the race for top four, mm. been in the race for European football, having seen West Ham, um, you know, um, Arsenal, um, and plenty of other sides over the weekend who were sort of vying with get victories, you know, take that step on. It's, it, it sort of goes in that frustration and the wider context makes it even more annoying. Yeah, I think the, the concern that we had a few weeks ago when we were kind of level on points with people like Chelsea and Tottenham was that, we we were very much sure in the fact that those sorts of teams were going to finish the season a lot stronger than we do because p- pushing on after 29 or 30 games is just not what Everton mm-hmm. are in any way adept at. And we, we always knew that, you know, Tottenham necess- hasn't necessarily got the result that they wanted this weekend, but teams like that and, and Chelsea and, and Liverpool getting that, that late win at Aston Villa, um, West Ham just seem utterly relentless at the mm-hmm. moment and Unfortunately, Everton look like the, the the team that, you know, going back a few months were the pretenders of this this bizarre Premier League season that we all knew that we were on the horizon of. And I said to you during the game, Matt, in that so much of my Everton-related frustration comes from the fact that we are seeing a David Moyes team take advantage <laughs> of a, a, a very unique Premier League year that we, we knew was there for the taking. Um, and I think that it, it's hard frustration at, at Everton not taking that opportunity. And and yes, we're saying this with, with eight games of the Premier League season left. And, and even at this stage, anything anything could happen. And we've said so often that two or three consecutive results in this league will do wonders for you. And I, I know that's a very obvious statement to make, but six or nine points has never seen more massive in any season than yeah. it than it inevitably will be in this one. But to to see a team like West Ham kind of take that initiative and, and take that opportunity is is quite disappointing. But I think you any form of disappointment that you can have in Everton not kicking on in, in the last couple of games or or in particular in tonight is um the caveat massively there is the fact that we are going into this with children on the bench um you, you can't you can't do anything I, I know that we've put so much financially into building a squad that is capable at withstanding the turmoils of what a premier league season has to offer but i think the situation that we're in now is particularly unique and particularly damaging you can't actually like you know, no absolutely not you know, to, to have your, your starting goalkeeper yeah Five, I think. I think we we, we sort of did the summer show in the game. Five of our six starting central midfielders, yeah, our top goal scorer, all all unavailable. You know that that's not something that you, you the manager and his coaching staff sit around at the start of the campaign and go right. Yeah. What happened? What what do we do in this situation when all of these lads are injured? It's probably the nature of the player that we're missing as well. I think yeah. you, you you probably look at people like Sigurdsson, James, Richarlison, all very technically gifted. Um, if if you put a chance on the plate for them, they will they will absolutely take it and they are all to a man capable of being difference makers but 
the types of footballers that win you games are Alan, Decore, Carvert Lewin. The and and that's not to take anything away from their technical ability, but they're the, they're the types of players that turn results like tonight into a one or you know get another one late on a two 0 victory. You don't really think much of it because people like Decore just just do what they do. Ninety minutes of energy. They're capable, yes, of of picking out you know nice through balls or or certain individual technical good aspects at certain points but they're they're essentially there just to be winners and I don't necessarily think we had anyone in the team yeah. tonight who who was capable of just being that linchpin in the middle allowing people like Hammers and Richarlison to to go and do the the intricate bits up top but it it all felt very disjointed I think yeah. so many times during the game tonight we said an Everton goal is not going to stem from an attack that was formed at centre half, and we play a nice, you know, transition through the middle of the park, and and then it it was never going to be a ten to fifteen pass move that resulted in the goal. It was going to be picking up second balls forty yards out. Can we get it right to Dean or Coleman? Pull one back, and someone like Sigerson yeah. or Hamez to come onto the ball late and. It it all felt a little bit laborious in terms of getting up the pitch, but as you say, if if you pick away so many of your key players from that eleven, then that that's always going to be the pattern of the game. Yeah, and I think when you have results like that, you do you know it, it can be quite cathartic to do these and go, you know, you were shite and all this. And I think that there were sort of some players on the pitch tonight who, who who didn't perform to the best, you know, particularly in a attacking point of view. But just just I think one moment in the first half in particular summed it up for me. I'm just just watching. The man I'm going to talk about now on the screen here, Seamus Coleman, doing his interview on Sky. And it was where Richardson got the ball and played the ball, played a really good pass down the line to Coleman. He was bursting through and you're thinking, right, he's down the line, get a good ball into the box. Yeah. And the two players in the box were Tom Davis, just about getting into the box on the edge, and Luca Dean. And you think, well, that, that, that's where we are. You know, if you have mm. Dominic Carvalhoe in there, he's obviously in there. People like Decore can break forward as well and, and get into that position. And obviously because we had one senior central midfielder facing Tom Davis, Hamers and, and Gilby Sigerson have got to be a little bit more disciplined. And it just sort of thought that moment was like, there were a lot of little instances like that, that tonight where you sort of, it was it was the pass, three or four passes before we were going to score. Mm-hmm. You thought, right, we're in here. And then because Richardson had to, had to, had had to drop D to play it, yeah. there's nobody in the middle. Or because Hamers had to, had to drop D to play it, he was out the move for the rest of it then. It was almost like, we were always like that, like a couple of players short in the final third to be able to to take those next steps and those moves. Yeah, I think you you've got a couple of things there, and the 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 two most prominent attacking players tonight in Richarlison and Hamez, they are so much more comfortable, or, or certainly in Richarlison's case, he thinks he's more comfortable at coming short for the ball, uh, as you say, interlinking with someone like Coleman or or Dean out wide, and not necessarily being uninvolved in play. And yeah. how often we say that about Richarlison and that the best of him individually and the best of Everton collectively is when he is not involved in the build-up play. Uh, and that, that's not to take anything away from the, the footballer who he is, but we all know that he operates so well inside the lines of the 18-yard box. And, and the, the more that he does have this temptation to drop deep, then the, the more damaging it is for us collectively in terms of our play. But... I think the the other thing that we fell victim of tonight is that the the midfield three is almost too fluid at times. <laughs> uh, I, I know you mentioned about about Tom Davis breaking forward in in that particular move, 
Yeah, we saw it in the second half where he had an opportunity the to shoot. when he was like the target man, wasn't Absolutely, it? Absolutely, yeah. Knocking the ball over the top two. Yeah, running down the right-hand side. We yeah. were clipping balls through for him. Um, he had a good opportunity from the edge of the box with 25 yards out in the last 20 minutes. But in the same breath, 10 minutes later, you'll see him picking the ball up off, off Michael Keane. And, mm. and James, in particular, is, is one who's guilty of this as well in that he starts the game right up top of Richarlison and you can almost see the impatience developing with time because you can see him going looking for the ball. Yeah. Um, it's it's all a little bit Wayne Rooney-esque in that sense <laughs> in that you, you see him at left back and you think, well, the the angst for him to get involved in the game is so great that the discipline kind of goes That's a That's when you know it's not worth Yeah, it. absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I think Ancelotti kind of afforded him that freedom in the end um, when we talk about people like Hermes Rodriguez having freedom then you often think about him being in that sort of free 10 role behind the striker but in his mind it's going and picking the ball up off the centre halves and, and trying to make something happen and as much as you applaud him for his endeavour um, both on the ball and off the ball tonight I, I think, think that, was, that must be the most he's ran yeah. in an Everton game tonight yeah think. absolutely really yeah. Himself about, yeah. and I think it, in, in terms of how fans feel about that result you, you probably you, you personify that in James Rodriguez in terms of how he carried himself on the pitch That that's that's possibly one of the greatest technically gifted players ever to play for Everton, realising that tonight's just not one of those nights. It, yeah. It's not one of those pick the ball up 30 yards out, spray it out to Luca Dean and, and score a nice pretty goal. And uh, as much as we'd have all loved to have seen that, there are times where senior players like that realise that it, it, it's just not one of those football matches. Um, he, he definitely did that tonight. And, and, Arguably, if he if he doesn't recognise the this kind of dangers that Everton were susceptible to on the break, then it it could be an, an altogether more different and and definitely more disappointing result. But I think just just to touch on that and the the fact that we have, I hesitate to use the phrase "come out of it with a point" because we don't want to be that sort of negative about about what an Everton side going to Brighton should represent, but. I think defensively, we, we we all expected us to be relatively solid at the back yeah. tonight, given that two thirds of our team were defenders. But and that that is probably the positive that you do look at <laughs> in that so, so many of those back four that that we want to see, and we've been considering how we shoehorn people like Ben Godfrey and Mason Holgate into that starting eleven consistently. Um, I think massive credit has to go to, to Mason Holgate. It, yeah, it, he's definitely what I was going to talk about. Yeah. It's probably not the greatest game of football he's ever played, is it? But I, I think in terms of in terms of asking a young footballer to do something like he's done tonight, I think he deserves massive credit. Yeah, and I think he's. I think obviously he's been a lot of talk about the centre backs and there, and you know, you, you know, <laughs> we all, we've all got a habit of looking ahead and going right. Who's going to be our centre back partnership next year? And mm. I imagine Holgate probably would have been fourth. In, term, in the pecking order on, on the list of a lot of people but I think what he's shown in the last few weeks in regards to playing you know back three playing mm-hmm. in midfield tonight and then going back into the back three and then maybe it was a back four again at, you know, at the end and he went, he went back into midfield for a little bit when yeah. Tom came off as well and it was a bit a bit strange but I think I think probably what he's done in the, the last couple of games is just showing the manager that he can be really useful yeah. in, in different situations and I think you know while if he plays at right back he's not going to be able to get forward and put crosses into the box he can do a job there can do a job in a back three. Can play in midfield if needed as well. And mm. um, some of his passing was great tonight as well. You know, stepping out um, from that deep midfield position, pinging balls round. And mm-hmm. um, I think I think if we're going to stick with this back three, I think for me it's it sort of feels like it's got to be Godfrey and Holgate 
in the wide, the centre-back positions. Mm. And then one of Mina and Michael Keane in the centre because Michael Keane playing on the left of that back three tonight, yeah. uh, palpitations all over the place whenever he gets dragged out of that shape. He just, he's just not comfortable in that, that position at all. So, But yeah, Holgate, I think he's, he's definitely probably showing the manager that he can, he's worth keeping around for, for a while um, beyond this season. Yeah, I think the irony around Holgate and what you've just said in terms of trying to trying to rank these in some form of defensive hierarchy is that he potentially is third or fourth in terms of if you go and play a flat back four who mm. plays in that two he in my mind is first or second in terms of if clubs came sniffing in the summer who do you not want to lose yeah. um, as much as you probably do look at people like Yerry Mina and Michael Keane as being higher up in terms of being names on the team sheet if you were to, to put your best 11 out I think the versatility and the football and intelligence that that lad has to, to go and do something like he's done tonight. Uh, we've seen it in, in previous seasons as well. I think myself and you, Matt, referenced the, the Man United game away at Old Trafford when he, he put such a great shift in again alongside Tom Davis. Um, I think that, that personal relationship definitely allows for, for, for Mason Hoggy to be a lot more settled in that midfield. Um, but you, I think the, the difference with... People have spoken about Ben Godfrey and, and seeing him in the centre of midfield. Um, I personally have never seen that. Um, I personally can never imagine that because I think he's just so good in terms of one-on-one defending. The, that block from Welbeck. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Th- that's exactly the same scenario that, that Batuai scores against yeah. last Monday. Uh, and I think what you, what you possibly afford from having the physical presence of a Godfrey in the midfield, you undoubtedly lose double that in your, in your back line. So I, I would much rather see Mason Holgate in there for that reason, for, for Godfrey's defensive ability, but also for, for Holgate's just general composure on the ball. I think so so many times the ball is kind of bobbing around in that midfield and it, it kind of passes you by in terms of how calm and focus you have to be just to play simple five or ten yard passes out to your fullback and I think so often I mean god forbid if we saw someone like a like a Michael Keane or or you know a, a more sort of traditional centre half thrown into that position they, they would absolutely not have the composure <laughs> to play any form of pass in there never mind one where you've got Mason Holgate as you say spraying balls out to, to Seamus Coleman he is just generally a footballer and I think, you, you probably reads the game better than any yeah, of absolutely, the centre-backs yeah. we've got in terms of well I suppose he's got to hasn't he because of his, you know, he's not as physical as the others yeah. he's got to be able to be in the right place at the right time and position himself better and I suppose that sort of thing transitions better into central midfield and when you've got yeah. a playoff position then maybe other players it, it's arguably I know we referenced that Man United game it, it's arguably a more difficult task tonight because you you are asking your midfielders at times to go and pick the ball up and, and go and be progressive go and find your Seamus Coleman or, or Luca Dean out wide and I think in the past when we've asked players to do when we've asked young people to come into that central midfield we've asked them to be relatively destructive break up the play uh, I'm thinking Holgate against United uh, Beningame away at Stamford Bridge <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're the types of performances that it, it's almost quite restrictive in terms of yeah. the game and you don't allow them to, to kind of take the shackles off and to an extent we were expecting Mason Holgate to do that tonight we've, we've got no real right to expect Mason Holgate to be able to do that but I think 
you equally see him drop back into that defensive three and have incredibly important touches like the the header he managed to flick yeah, away from yeah, the corner. Yeah. Uh, I think it, it should not be understated how difficult it is for an Everton player in particular to go as a centre half into the central midfield and then drop back into a five at the back, <laughs> which we've never really looked totally natural at. Uh, I think generally uh, the football intelligence that he showed tonight was was definitely not to be underrated. Yeah. And anyone else stand out for you tonight? Really, I mean, I'm just sort of thinking through there. It's, I think Holgate was probably comfortably our our best player. Really. Mm-hmm. I think Seamus Coleman's playing pretty well at the moment, isn't he? So, you know, yeah. he had a good game against Crystal Palace, probably. Our best attacking outlet tonight at times really mm. seems to have found a little bit of form late in the season. And listen, I, I don't think anyone's expecting him to be our starting right back next year, but probably <coughs> showing enough in glimpses that if you need him for 10 games here and there next season, then he could probably still do a job. I'd, I think I'd have felt uncomfortable with Everton performing in that game or, or possibly getting anything out of it if he wasn't there. Mm. And you know, he, he's, he's had loads of critics over the years, and I've definitely been one of them on occasions, but. There's certain games where you just feel like when that everything we said about Hamez earlier in terms of just having that finger on the pulse of the fact that the match is not going to be one of those where technical ability necessarily pulls you over the line. I think it, he's got that that workmanlike ability, and I, I know that we're we're stripping everything away from the technical aspects of his game, but there were certain moments in the second half <laughs> where like, down the right hand side. For all of your money, it looks as though he's about to lose that ball, yeah. but somehow manages to shrug a couple of players off, plays a really intelligent ball inside to James Rodriguez, and and on another day, they're, they're the difference makers in terms of moments in the game. But yeah, I think he, he played well. Um, it always comes back to James for one reason or another, but I think tonight we all got the sense that if anything was to happen, it was probably going to come from him. Um, probably the first time in his Everton career, you looked at him and gone, the, the things he did tonight, the best things he did tonight were more about yeah. off the ball and, and tracking back as opposed to what he does on the ball. But it is, it is nice to see that on yeah. occasion, as much as I think so much of the narrative from Ancelotti this year, when he's been asked about defensive contributions in, in press conferences and by the media, it, it's always been an afterthought with James and, and we totally get that because in an ideal world, that is absolutely what it should be. We we want to see his best work done in the last 30 yards. But I think in, in terms of players who are disappointed, it, it's hard to get a read of how someone like Richarlison played tonight because he was so isolated. Um, Good free centre-backs as well. Absolutely, yeah. You, you you need that physical presence alongside him. And, and with Calvert-Lewin playing, it was never going to happen. Um, you probably look at Gilfie Sigurdsson and say, you, I expect more from you in that game. I think it, it became very clear early on in the first half that physically James Rodriguez was being targeted. Uh, yeah. we, we all know that physically James Rodriguez is not going to give you a consistent 90 minutes anyway. But I think what you're expecting in those situations where you have got someone like him under pressure is that Gilfie Sigurdsson's going to cotton on to the fact that if they're doubling up on James, then I've got time and space to to operate. Yeah, he didn't really do that at all. Did he? No, no, and we're not going to go down in the rabbit hole of how much he hides from play, which which is absolutely an issue. But I think we might as well buy into the fact that he's going to be around for at least another season, and and if he is going to be, well, the the defence that we've we've often afforded to Sigurdsson in the past is that when games like 
bright in the way or Crystal Palace at home are stuck in a rut yeah. on 60 or 70 minutes then you need you need a difference maker um, I, I didn't necessarily feel like that moment was was ever really going to come tonight and I think that, that they are they are the situations where you need your, your more technically gifted players to step up but but no, you ask about individual performances. Honestly, the, the, it was not that type of game, was it? There, there was no one who who really stepped forward. Um, we we joked during the game about if if you could have one player in this situation to to have on that pitch now, who would it be? And we just needed that clinical edge that that someone like a Carvalho would have would just have given us. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But um, yeah, um, finally then, um, obviously disappointed that we didn't win tonight. Uh, got the draw. Um, it, it, you know the season feels like it's unraveling um, maybe we would have said it's unraveled if we'd lost tonight but um, that's you know it does feel like it hinges on, on Friday doesn't it you know we, we've got I think we're one point behind Spurs now or two points behind them we've, one behind Spurs one behind yeah. Spurs with a game in hand on them obviously we play them on Friday night as well um, who knows what kind of 11 we'll be able to cobble together for that game depending on who's fit or not but um you know, it all hinges on that now, doesn't it? You know, yeah. you know, it's a team we've beaten twice already in the season, granted, but um, there's going to be a bit of a patch-up 11, and, you know, it's a Goodison Park where we've been absolutely dreadful recently. Yeah, I think the the concern is that, I mean, I'm not saying anything that Gary Neville hasn't in recent <laughs> times, but if you if you offer Everton that, that carrot of being able to progress up the league or, or catch up on teams like Tottenham, then... They are ultimately opportunities that we don't take. Um, so, something about Tottenham at home at Goodison Park just fills me with dread on an annual basis. It, it, it never strikes me as a game that we're capable of getting anything out of. And I know that we say that coming off the back of an absolutely bonkers last outing against Tottenham. Um, but uh, there is something about that game where I just think, given a higher level of quality going forward, which obviously they will they will offer... Games like tonight probably stride away from us a little yeah. bit. Um, people like Gareth Bale and Harry Kane and and not that type of player, Hung Min Son. He, <laughs> he, they're definitely the type the players who who are going to cause us problems. Um, defensively, uh, you you again look at the fact that you, you we've got the personnel there to to deal with those sorts of issues. But I think that when the impetus is on. Not that it matters so much this season, but but when the impetus is on the home team to go and do something and, and break the lines and, and and possibly try and snatch a result, I think it's getting very close to that stage of the season now, where Everton are kind of pulling away very slowly from sort of the the standard eleventh yeah. or twelfth position. It feels like they're like they're dropping back somehow. <laughs> like, yeah, because it doesn't really feel like we're going anywhere. I, I think th- there has to become a point, doesn't doesn't there, where Everton roll the dice and yeah. we either decide whether we're going to finish seventh or eighth and hope that Man City win the lot and we finish in the seventh European place or whatever it is, <laughs> or do we really go for it and and do we? On, on the hour mark against Spurs, do, do we really, you know, bring do one bring of our Nathan Broad on. <laughs> bring one of our under twelve strikers yeah, on and say Harry Tower on up front, yeah, <laughs> recall Ellis Sims and say, well, let, let's make it, let's make a go of it." But I, I appreciate that they're very difficult calls to make because we're playing against high level opposition and we we quite simply haven't got the the depth mm-hmm. to to do that at the moment. But do you know what? The, this this season was always about taking risks and I know we, we reference teams like West Ham in terms of just sensing that opportunity and, and kind of running with it and, and gaining some momentum but 
you are still looking at that league table thinking, well, any anyone from 5th to 10th can interchange positions at the yeah. moment and, and two or three results. And I know that we look at the fixture list and teams like Tottenham and Arsenal coming up, but Villa. how yeah. often has this Everton side faltered against weakened opposition and then gone and built a, a few results against against good opposition like we did back in December? So it, it's still all to play for. Yeah, um, trying to be positive after watching that. Um, did well there, mate, to get 27 minutes out of a game where nothing really happened whatsoever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there we are. Uh, thanks. Like, that's, it's the benefits of getting together and having a bevy. You can just chat and chat and chat about nil nil draws. But uh, yeah, that's it from me and Mark. Uh, make sure you do tune in to the Monday, obviously, and that'll be Tuesday show. Uh, ben Crawford tomorrow on the Blue Room Extra and have all the usual content this week, building up to that game on Friday against Tottenham Hotspur. There's a massive one that now, isn't it? But uh, fingers crossed the Blues can finally put the home record right. Uh, cheers to Mark. Thanks very much for listening. We'll speak to you soon. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know. A driveway basketball hoop, including the base, weighs around 400 pounds. Something you probably do know. There's a windstorm coming. Something you probably don't know. A basketball hoop tipping over can poke a hole in a car roof like a can opener. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Sports Social Podcast Network.